Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ooh. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Drive Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home on the road, in the air, or in the water. Do you believe we have a great show for you guys today? A lot of news in the coaching world for basketball, plus NBA playoffs, plus May is done in baseball. So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Hit your free throws because they're free. So 337 coming hot at you guys. And so 336. And I'm joined on this one by you know who, Alex Tossman Rocktosopoulos and Nikki Snacks Kreider. And after a little break over Memorial Day weekend, we are back in the action, back in the sauce and ready to get started. Crazy news to start. The, I mean, I'm on the East Coast now. And so these guys are kind of waking up to the chaos. But there was already stuff going on while I was awake and mobile, Brad Stevens, no longer the head coach. Danny Ainge steps down in Boston. Brad Stevens, now the president of basketball operations, and now they're on a search for a new head coach. Lloyd Pierce, former Atlanta Hawks head coach, is in talks. Jason Kidd is in rumors. Evan Turner was in rumors. We were throwing around crazy names in a group text today. Those are rumors that we're just starting ourselves. Um, plus, Coach Shashevsky is no longer going to be the Duke head coach after this coming season. So he'll do one more trip around the sun as the Duke head coach. And then it's Jonathan Shire, former Blue, Blue, Blue Devil, uh, stepping up to the plate to be the head coach. That coaching position is already filled. Uh, we already have his successor there. Um, which news was more shocking to us? Um, I think that you have to say that the Duke news was more shocking just because we hadn't heard any of those murmurs recently. Um, all the attention's been on the NBA lately. And the thought was that the Celtics were going to make a first round exit and that they were going to have to shake things up. And that the only people that were safe were Stevens and Brown and Tatum and probably Danny Ainge. I, I mean, that was, I was surprised by that, but I wasn't that surprised, honestly. Mm -hmm. But it'll be interesting to see where they go with the the head coaching hire. Uh, We we were talking about it. You mentioned our our group text with our Bostonian friend, Brando Lukoff. And uh, none of us are huge fans of the Lloyd Pierce direction or the Jason Kidd direction. And for me, it's because both those guys have already coached in the NBA to not much success. Most recently, Lloyd Pierce lost the job to Nate McMillan, who's now in the playoffs and is about to make it to the second round with the Hawks. It's just a complete appeasement hire, honestly. I think because he's a player's coach and players like him. But all that being said, he lost. He literally lost his job this year, and the Hawks turned around and were one of the better teams in basketball and are on the verge. We're obviously recording Wednesday, so we haven't even seen the Knicks game, but they're on the verge of going to the next round of the playoffs and knocking out the Knicks in five games. Lloyd Pierce has no business being the Celtics' head coach, next head coach. Had they had Jalen Brown, they still would have probably gotten bounced by the Nets, but at least it would have been closer, or you'd like to think so. 
And uh, they really, I mean, Kid again is not the guy. I think they need the Chauncey Billups idea is good. I don't even mind the Evan Turner idea necessarily. He's very familiar with the current roster. Um, cause I, I love Sam Cassell. Some kind of guard who's been there before and knows the game and has a good understanding of the game, but is also not too old and closer to the player's age. I think that's a great move as Brad moves up. Brad's exhausted. And it's unfortunate because I think last year was his, in the bubbles, probably his best shot to at least get to the title game. And they couldn't do it against the Heat. Um, but yeah, Nick, what was more surprising to you? I think the C's because um, it's two moves, you know, with Danny Ainge um, stepping away and with Brad Stevens taking a different role. Um, I didn't really see him. I didn't see that coming at all. The, the Ainge thing is, like, makes more sense to me, but um, Brad Stevens getting away from coaching sounds interesting, honestly. Yeah, he could always come back. I mean, I there's just kind of a testament. I think it's just an testament to how much he loves Boston and how much he loves that right. franchise. Really? Right. And then also with Shashevsky, I mean, I think there wasn't really any rumors about it, but with Roy Williams stepping down last year and retiring, I think that was just kind of the next domino to fall. Um, you know, Shashevsky's had great success there and it's probably been a question within this last season, how much long does he have? Um, and obviously they didn't play well at all last year. Mm -hmm. It was his worst season to date, I feel like, uh, within the last 20 years or so. But, um, you know, it's just time to hang it up. Hopefully yeah. that they can make a, a tournament run to send him off the right way. I would hate for him to go have another bad season next season and then have to hang it up. But, you know, with Duke, they always get some guys that come in there, five-star recruits in the top 10 that can just change the whole dynamic and they can win it any given year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they'll always have guys – um, come in, uh, Paolo Bonchero um, being the headlining piece there who could arguably be the best player in college basketball and a future first overall pick. Uh, the Brad Stevens thing is super interesting. I think my whole MO with him was like he's been coaching, like a head coach, since he was like 29. You know, and, and he's now 44. This is kind of almost an, a time where guys are first starting to get there. Like a 44-year-old head, head coach is kind of young still. And this guy's already been the head coach of the Celtics for yeah. eight years. You know, he's kind of like almost in his second act of life, in a sense. Like yeah. we're seeing, like, like Brady is still playing right. like sports, and he's still in his forties. So this guy is probably kind of want to move on to another career. He's exhausted. The, the bubble was an exhausting season for him. Danny had a heart attack back in 2019, or a small heart attack. So I think these guys kind of it, it took their toll. I mean, Boston's a tough spot. It took its toll. Um, it's going to be very yeah. interesting to see. I was I was listening to. I was listening to Theo Epstein talk yeah. the other day and he was saying that like other G some, some GM, like one of his mentors in the MLB was saying that he doesn't like to stay on a team for longer than 10 years. And I think it's, uh, it, it was just really interesting to hear him say that. And now, you know, I think that he probably is going to get involved in, with the league in some sort of capacity. And I feel like, if you like a team that much and you don't want to see yourself away from that franchise, like I think that Brad Stevens felt about the Celtics, mm. you kind of, you kind of just have to go up because how weird would it have been to see Brad Stevens coaching for any other NBA roster? It would have been bizarre yeah. and it would have felt, I, I would have been sad at that uh, to be, I know, I know it's a kind of like a lame um, way to put it, but I, I truthfully, it would have been depressing to see because he comes so close so many times and yeah, may, he yeah. may not be the head coach, but at least he'll get the opportunity to potentially get to there, to win a ring in, in a major capacity. I mean, 
you have to love his player development skills. I know Tatum and Brown were third overall picks of Pop, but he, he progressed them the right way. Um, he was great for Pritchard this year. Um, and I, I trust his eye for talent. I think Danny left in a place. I mean, again, thinking about Danny as well is like, he's been a Celtic forever. So this is an organization he loves and cares about, and he does think Brad is the right. It's a different job, and he think clearly clearly thinks he's the right man for the job. Um, so he's leaving it in good hands. Krzyzewski is it's this is pretty crazy. It's like the biggest domino of like, I guess like the Belichicks and the Sabins, like the and the Popovich. He's the first of those like big four to go, which to me I always thought would be Pop. With but basketball, I think it's easy for guys to stay within the league too. Like Brad can come back to coaching at any time. He's forty four. He can, you know, want to go back into it in three years if he wants, you know. And yeah. Danny could get into the front office or something like that. I mean, it's. I mean, you look at a guy like Jerry West. You know, he he went to the Clippers and he's was he like in his seventies? Like mm-hmm. it's maybe even eighties. I don't really know his age, but you know, I feel like the door is always open in the basketball world, especially if you're one of the greats and if you've had success with the team. Um, you know, those guys will be able to get jobs whenever they want. Yeah, Jerry West is eighty three years old. Jesus. Logo, ancient, crazy. That is pretty crazy. Um, keeping yeah. in the basketball. I think it's world. kind of a similar. No, you're good. It's just a kind of similar situation, right? Like, I like to see these older guys maybe kind of evaluating things as they are and saying, "I care so much about this team, this franchise, this college, whatever it is, and I trust the guys that are beneath me to." step up and rise to the challenge uh, and I'm comparing Danny and Shashevsky to each other right here because it's like we could have seen Shashevsky try and ride ride it out on a high right like we, we want them to perform well next year because it's his last season but what if they don't uh, you know and he kind of like lingered there we, mm-hmm. we almost saw it at our own university with Mac Brown right where he was kind of he was basically done he had gotten that championship and he was enjoying being at the university but not as involved as he had been, uh, partially because I think he had won. And so, you know, Krzyzewski has seen a lot of successes over his time and tenure at Duke. So why not let Shireface uh, take things over? And Nolan Smith, I think, is on that that coaching staff as well. So yeah, I love it. It's like the new tree, right? We're always talking about these coaching trees. Like, let's see the Krzyzewski tree in action. Yeah, I think yeah. In the, the Shire... Writing on, writing on the high is, like, definitely something we want to see, but he's got nothing left to prove at this point. No, right. Yeah, I mean he's he's done literally everything you can do. He's he's arguably he's probably I mean he's I don't think it's really arguable. I think he's the best college basketball coach ever, no question. And then you have Shire who's won two natties as an assistant and as a player. He's a four year player for Shusevsky at Duke. I mean, there's really no other better player to come in. He's a guard, understands the game super well. Um I think it's the perfect hiring for Duke. Um and speaking of another guard who has now entered the second round of the playoffs in his first year, Steve Nash, Brooklyn Nets, take down the Celtics, uh, kind of starting the domino effect over there in Boston. They go to meet the Milwaukee Bucks, who people are talking about could be the best matchup in the entire playoffs. Nick, I'll start with you. A, buy or sell that. B, who do you like in this one? The Bucks take it on who? The Nets. The Nets. The Nets. Um, yeah, I would say that's probably the best playoff matchup that we could see. You know, you got the juggernauts uh, in terms of the star power of Giannis going against KD and Harden. Um, I want to say that 
the Nets are probably going to get the job done. But I think this is the best shot that the Bucks have. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough. With Nick there, I'm, I'm buying that this is the best series. I do think it is the kind of preemptive final. Uh, this is basically the title series. I, I know that happens sometimes um, and other times. You know, whoever comes out of the West, I imagine, will be a uh, a true contender. But I think that whichever team they're facing in the East, whether it be the Bucks or the Nets, who I think will go all the way, um, whoever wins the series, I think that that East team's going to win. Because I look at the real contenders in the West, and it's the Jazz, right? It's It would be the Lakers if they were healthy, but they're not. Mm-hmm. The Suns aren't necessarily healthy either. And mm-hmm as good as Booker and Aiden have been, this is their first playoff series that, you know, they, they haven't gone deep in the playoffs before. And that really, that really shows the later you get in the playoffs. And then the Clippers who they seem to be able to, I mean, I, look, I, I joked to Nick the other day, I said, it's still not going to seven because the Clippers are probably going to take it in six, but they've shown that they have some discrepancies on the roster and Kawhi and Paul George, as amazing as they've both been in this series, they can't do it all every single series all the way through a championship. It, it would just be – if they did, it would be the – time. I mean, they just don't have enough on the rest of the roster. And, uh, yeah, in the Jazz, I just think that, you know, we've, we've – or even Harden or even Kyrie. And I take all four of those guys ahead of him. So I just think that this is the real matchup. We all need to be paying attention to it. It starts on Saturday. It's going to be really exciting. I agree. I, I disagree with Nick. I actually think that the Bucks are due. And I think this is the series where they can get it done because the Nets don't have enough of a paint presence and they can build the wall for Giannis, but Giannis is going to eat them alive on the offensive glass. Lopez is going to out rebound all of the bigs on the Nets as well. And their supporting cast is actually really good. Bobby Portis is a great guy off the bench for them, a big who can do some damage. I, I just think that they're kind of perfectly crafted as a team. And Drew Holiday obviously is, was that missing piece um, for them to, to beat this ridiculous Nets team. They're ridiculous. They, they play one-on-one basketball better than anyone I've ever seen. And if, you know, they might they might score 110 points in a game. They did this against the Celtics, and the big three have 95 of those 110, which is crazy. Yeah, but that's a huge issue for me, though, in the sense that, like, the Bucks have Middleton and Holiday. Yeah, maybe they won't go get 30, but they can each go get 24, 25, 26, 27 a pop. And at that point, you're already at 50-something points. You have Giannis who will go for 30, and then you're at 80. And the rest of that Nets team is not putting up those that kind of points. Joe Harris has been great, but that paint, that paint presence is everything. The Celtics, like, every time the Celtics attacked the basket, every time Tristan Thompson was in there, I mean, Tristan Thompson had 19 points. We spoke about it the other day. He had 19 points in the game. I mean, like, they can attack the interior at will. Claxton is not there yet. I'm very intrigued to see what Giannis does in the paint. I'm intrigued to see if they kind of have Lopez banged banged down there a little bit. He's also another guy that can hit shots. I mean, this is a Bucs team that could keep up step for step as far as shooting goes. Yeah, they don't have Harden, KD, and Kyrie. They don't have the craftiness in scoring, but they have guys that can really hit from downtown. And I think Giannis in the interior is a huge game changer. I I do not know. Once he blows past that first defender, no one's going to be able to stop him. 
He just has to go to the rack. It's something the Celtics like, just were afraid of doing. I don't understand like why Tatum, like he had such a good first step and he could beat his guy off the dribble on a consistent basis. I don't get why he was so afraid time and time again. Like, look, he had an amazing series and really, and really put up some serious points. But every time he went to the rack, he was getting a foul call or he was putting it down. He was hammering it home. Yeah. And I don't get why they started shying away from that. Yeah, I mean, I... I thought they did. The Nets made some good defensive adjustments as far as kind of walling off the paint for Tatum. Um, and I think that's why, in this, in a similar way to how the Hawks are really making it tough for Julius Randle to get to the rack. They're he can't create double teaming him basically every single possession. He has, he, has, he has, right, like Tatum. He doesn't have that bag where he can, you know, sidestep and shoot or post up a guy in the high post and fade over him. Um, but GM is... Yes, like obviously if you have those straight line drives, take advantage of that. You're probably not going to have them very often, but stay incredibly active on the offensive glass because no one has the length or athleticism as you on the Brooklyn Nets side. They might have to play DeAndre Jordan a lot more, which if I'm the Bucks, I'm licking my chops because DeAndre Jordan basically hasn't played at all against the Celtics and would be a, they might just have to keep him out there because he's seven foot tall, but yeah, I, I like I like what the Bucks will be able to do. I could the only thing that would change me is if I see like a classic like Budenholzer team crumble, which we've seen many a time. Um, but I feel like the Bucks are are due, and I want Giannis to get one. Um, as as, but with all that said, Kevin Durant could just go for thirty eight points per game in this series, yeah. and shooting 50, 40, 90. He's incredible, and he could just reassert himself as the best player in the world very quickly in this series. And, and he'll have the chance to do so. Yeah. I don't think it's that classic Budenholzer situation, unfortunately uh, for your, for your point, because it's, it's an anomaly. You're going against three guys, KD, Kyrie, Harden, who any given night could all three be top 10 players in the league or top 10 offensive players in the league. At least um, this should be an amazing series though. And probably are the two, I think these two teams are probably the best. We're already seeing the Sixers break down. The Hawks are manhandling the Knicks. I think the jazz, um, will have their way with the Grizzlies in tonight's game uh, and take it down to five. I, they might be the best chance to get to the to, to the finals because this Blazers Nuggets series, as entertaining as it is, I do not see one of those teams going to the championship. I think the Nuggets missing Murray is just too much, um, and then Dame, CJ McCollum is not. The Blazers number. can't play D. The Blazers. He's, just, he's not a number two on a championship team. CJ CJ's just not that guy. Yeah, but they just they can't even they can't even forget like the late game scoring. Obviously, like the comparison of like Dame goes six for eight in OT and double OT and his teammates go one for nineteen is horrendous Horrible. on the teammate side. Someone's gotta step up, right? But they they also allowed 148 points. I know it's a double overtime game, but the Nuggets had no problem. You're making guys like Austin River and Campazo and Monte Morris look good because they're getting I, I know Jokic opens things up for guys, but they just can't play any defense. None. They can't play any defense, especially when Nurkic is not on the court. And he fouled out in 24 minutes last night. It's horrible. And they do How do you it, foul out in 24 minutes? They do it every year, too. It's like they bring in Roko. They bring in Al Camino before. They try to bring in these long wings to kind of, like I guess, throw on these other wings, throw in the guards. I mean, throw on Jokic. It, it, they just can't figure it out defensively because, unfortunately, there are two other guards. Like, you really need... <sighs> You need a better number two, and you need Marcus Smart instead of McCollum. You need a guy who can really come in there defensively and back Dame up and, and take the pressure off of him because CJ's just not that guy. 
and you talk about like a paltry like are you I mean, just are you putting out the the trade yeah there you go that's the trade rumor right there are you putting the trade fodder out there that da- the dame should go to celtics no. for jalen brown and marcus smart I don't want that. So Damon I mean, I mean, and Jalen and Jason Tatum can play together. You, I you don't want that. No, I mean, I've, as a Celtics fan, yes, as a member of like the, the love of the league. No, I like Damon Portland. I just, and I like CJ. It's just like you're gonna have to give him up to get somebody who you're gonna get at this point in time. I don't know. You better chuck and pray the Clippers somehow lose to the Mavs and have to tear it down and, and, and trade Paul George and that CJ McCollum uh, swap I saw on God knows what website. Um, but that proposed swap would be interesting. But it goes to like the whole LeBron thing. Oh, LeBron quit on his team. His team didn't show up. His team without AD didn't show up against that Suns. They got blown out by like a million points because they shot 30% outside of LeBron. Schroeder was 0 for 9. You t- toss. Like you, I felt like in your text message you toss, and like during the game you almost threw up. Like he played horrible. <laughs> He's supposed to be the number two guy over there yeah. right now. I mean, I, just, I was terrible. more so. Yeah, he was supposed to step up big without AD out. I more so just meant I, his aesthetic style of game, I just really don't like because he's a guard and he has the slowest release I've ever seen, maybe even slower than Andre Miller's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Like The playoffs are defined by guys staying healthy and other guys on rosters outside of the superstars stepping up, right? Talk about the Bucks. Bryn Forbes had a game where he scored 24. You talk about... The Suns, this last game in game five in, in campaign scores like 16 off the bench. Um, even a guy for the Grizzlies like De'Anthony Melton scored 16 in the fourth quarter. So did Austin Rivers. Like guys have to step up that aren't your core guys um, unless you have a team crafted like the Nets, in which case you can kind of get away with with uh, Kyrie and, and Harden and Durant scoring, you know, 85 percent of your, your points. But that's the only team that has those three guys. on it, Right. Yeah, other teams don't have that. And other guys have to step up. Absolutely. Um, speaking of stepping up, we'll go, we'll train, we'll transition sports right here. Uh, baseball may is done two months into baseball. Nick's team's hot. My team's hot. Toss's team kind of sucks, uh, unfortunately, but they do have a great player toss yet. You potentially have the rookie of the year right here in Garcia, Dallas Garcia, 28 years old, Cuban missile, the new Cuban. He's got 16 home runs, tied in second. I mean, got with Fernando Tatis Jr. They're one off the leaderboard with Vlad Jr. and Ronald Acuna Jr. Obviously, you have Otani sitting there in fifth now uh, with 15 home runs. Sorry, Tatis Jr. and Garcia are there at 16 home runs, so they're technically third. Uh, it's been a really great season for baseball, um, in my opinion. A lot of good teams out there. It's very competitive in the American League. Uh, the AL East is a death trap, similar to Knicks NL West, another death trap, uh, as anticipated in the Central. The White Sox, we were we were spot on in the Central, I think, with the White Sox, the Indians, the Royals being sneaky, and the Twins not being good. I love our predictions there. Uh, the West was kind of a mess. I think the Astros, though, are in a good position if they do uh, have the ability. Uh, it's really who's going to make that trade. Who's going to go get Gibson from the from the Rangers? Who's going to get John Means isn't traded by the Baltimore Orioles. I'll say this now. I know not many people care about the Orioles, but if he's not traded by the Orioles come the trade deadline, that oh, the, the team general manager should literally hang himself by his nuts. This is no better time. He's a 28-year-old pitcher pitching at the top of his game. If he continues to pitch at this pace, he needs to be dealt for a bevy of pieces. I mean, I'm serious. Like, 
it it is a, that is a make or break for like the Astros, the A's, one of those teams who can go out and get them. Honestly, like if the Sox go out and get them, even the Rays, like who already have like solid pitching, it, it, the pitching is everything, and it goes to show you like the Angels who are hitting with everybody can't pitch for shit, and so they stink. Like say what you will, once the Marlins start getting some bats, that's gonna be a dangerous team in the NL East. That team can pitch, man. You got to be able to pitch in baseball, and there's a lot of good bullpens going around. Um, but Nick, I'll go with you. One thing that you were pleasantly surprised about, and one thing you were disappointed about in May uh, in baseball. Well, disappointment for me is just <clears throat> there's a lot of injuries, and yeah. I know that happens a lot in sports. But I feel like it's more than more than usual this season mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, guys go on the IL. I mean, you look at the White Sox that you just highlighted. They lost two of their star outfielders, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. And uh, that sucks. I mean, it's a big blow to them, but they're still getting getting the Ws. But, um, you know, like I'm just looking at my fantasy roster and like I've got like six guys on the IL and like Trevor Story's on the IL and Stremski was on the off for a little bit. He's up and down and Tatis has been up and down and, and you know, Cunha was, was hurt for a little bit and Mookie was for a little bit so it's like and bellinger's finally back now but it's just like it's hard you know i mean baseball is supposed to be one of those sports where you know it's it's the least contact and there's there's not as many injuries but it just seems like every day someone goes down and it's i don't know what it is but this season now we've been in three sports right we've been in football basketball and in baseball where we've been like there are more injuries that are happening this season than prior and it's because of all these shortened off seasons and it's it's really and you know the lack of uh preseason in the nfl and it's like we've said it for for three seasons now and it's so frustrating because it's you know if you're a sixers fan right like you see that Embiid has a meniscus tear and like that's so dissatisfying and it's so you know it puts you back and you want to compete for a championship yeah and it's same thing for you nick like at the top of the season tatis gets hurt right and you're like well, shit, like that's the guy we all want to watch, even the guys yeah. that aren't Padres fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was out He was out today, and uh, he came out yesterday because he had a oblique strain. Yeah. You know, it's just like it, it was like oblique tightness. You know, I think they're being precautionary, and I think a lot of it sometimes is precautionary. It's like, okay, like, let's shut a guy down for a couple of days so we can avoid a bigger problem. Right. But part of me wonders if like modern exercise or like modern training styles has any effect on – like game day injuries, you know, like if a guy, you know, is lifting too much or like he's adding too much muscle, like he's more susceptible to tears and, yeah. and, uh, right. I mean, like you look at bodybuilders and like when they, when they have like competitions, um, you know, they, they strain their muscles on purpose so they can pop out more and, and it's easier for them to strain muscles because there's so much more muscle. There's not enough fat to, you know, insulate the muscle in the arm. So it kind of makes me wonder that if, you know, back in the day, I feel like, I mean, obviously we weren't around to really recognize it and realize it, but were injuries as prominent as they are now, you know, due to the fact that their exercise regimens were different, you know, maybe they weren't hitting the gym as much. And, and I don't know, that's something that's definitely crossed my mind here and there. And you look at it, you know, across the league, you know, you see guys who are, who just can't stay healthy ever. Uh, and be being one of them, you know, um, you know, those guys in the NFL that are like that too. I mean, Odell Beckham's one of those guys. It's just, you know, you never know. Maybe just too much wear and tear. Yeah. I mean, first of all, kudos to you. I want to point out that 
kind of low-key knowledge about bodybuilding you just threw out there. I didn't know any of that. That was impressive, Nick. That was kind of kept in the back pocket. It's a great... I mean, it's not something that's really discussed. I mean, you know, everyone kind of anticipates that modern, you know, science training methods get better, quote unquote. But guys are doing a lot. Right. I'm sure also, like, rehab has gotten better. Rehab. They definitely do. Yeah, guys get back from injury way quicker than they normally used. To. I also think they go to For injury sure. and they go to the injury list way easier. First of all, in baseball, it's now instead of the 15 day, it's the 10 day. So it's five less days. You're more inclined to go and just come off in 10 days. Um, it's a longer season. Guys are also like, hey, play, people are playing for the playoffs and the championship. So people are more inclined to like rest guys. I mean, it's unfortunate in baseball when you have a guy like Trout who's now injured. For, he's going to be injured for two months total. You have a guy like Buxton who was supposed to be the next big thing is now out for like a, a, like a huge, again, a huge chunk of the year. And he was actually kind of putting it together. I mean, there's Harper. Is out. I mean, there's big superstars in baseball. It's unfortunate, unfortunate that are out. Basketball, yeah. we saw the sitting of players. I mean, it's. I don't want to say God. You just you got to be really careful, though. No, you got to be really, really careful when you're in that position because then those elite players jump right back into things and they're playing at 110 percent, right. right? Every single at bat or you know minute yeah. on the basketball court or down. And then they're not back into game shape, right? I feel like this happened with Zeke that season where he sat out and then he came back in and like he was good in spurts, but he was really bad in spurts too, right? Because he wasn't in game shape. No, that happens. Those guys, and then their bodies aren't quite there yet. And it's it's tough. It's something that like really needs to not helping them. Right. And I think to Josh's point of it being a 10-day IL now, not a 15-day IL, it gives teams the flexibility and the freedom to rest a guy if there's just like tightness, you know, like right. Tatis had tightness in his in his oblique and by the lineup for a couple of days. But you know, that's just to prevent, you know, with injury. For them, I, mean, I understand yeah. that for sure. And you know, you want to make sure your guys are at hundred percent. And to be honest, like I think probably less than I would say less than like sixty percent of the league, maybe even less than four percent of the league is playing 100% health I think all these guys are are kind of wearing and tearing a little bit and they're playing under injuries yeah also like in back in the day yeah if you're hurt they just like I mean, it's 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 interesting in baseball because you can have a big bat like multiple bats right like the White Sox you already mentioned them but Jimenez is hurt and they're still leading the division um, and across sport you kind of different evaluation they're in a playoff right. really sit even if he's 60 percent being five guys out at the time right like it, it's interesting yep. but you want to be maybe a little bit more tentative i guess if you're a, a baseball staff or you know the training staff for a baseball team but for we sure. also uh we also know how important it is for more eyes to get on the sport and we need to see these these big players that's to uh to be competing that's exactly yeah. to my tatis point earlier right it's like i want to i don't get to see many baseball games but when i sit down and i watch a game with you want Nick, to watch tatis yeah i want to watch tatis yeah uh, who was it the the angels were playing against the um angels were playing against who's the team the giants they're playing against the giants and uh otani had a pinch hit appearance and the pitcher walked otani and the giants fans booed because they wanted to see otani hit yeah like 
that's a perfect example of like, you know, watching the sport grow and wanting to see these superstars play, which brings me to my pleasant surprise that Josh asked about is that the home run leaders that we just mentioned are all the young cats, all the new guys in the league, you know, Vlad Guerrero, Garcia, Tatis, Acuna. Those are all the guys that were promised, you know, by like the MLB top one respective franchises their organizations and they're coming to fruition and it's it's so good for the game of baseball to grow you know it's not like the usual suspects hitting these home runs you know it's not a brave it's not freeman it's not john carlo it's not judge like it's the young guys the faces of baseball the new generation and so it's going to bring some excitement it's going to bring a lot of new fans i think um you know to have these young guys who are flashy but also swag you know swag out the game and just have so much talent yeah yeah i i was really surprised i asked nick the other day i was like is vlad guerrero the cdal mvp right now i was so surprised to see his numbers that good because i remember last season and the season prior like there was hype behind him right but then i remember other people coming out and saying like yeah but it might be a little bit of false false hope yeah. right we don't know how As good this guy actually is yeah. As we're recording right now, he's batting 337 with 17 home runs and 45 RBIs. I mean, and that's MVP numbers right now. Yeah, he's that's growing. Nuts. It's crazy. He's Good growing. He's growing. He's also like tops in war. He's got a three war so far. Um, I mean, he's on his on base percentage is excellent. He's also like Marcus Semien's playing great baseball again for the for the Blue Jays. You have Bichette, you have Vigio. I mean, he's got yeah, a better so not he yeah he's grown and also the lineup has grown as well. Um, so I mean, it's just a great place to be hitting. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's definitely the, he's with Buxton out. I mean, Trout out. He's the AL MVP. I mean, obviously Otani's gonna have something to say about that just because he's such a marvel on yeah. both sides of the both sides of the diamond. But Vlad Guerrero Jr. I think you'd be pressed to set, find a better hitter in, in baseball. Like through and through, I mean, Tatis Jr., Acuna, those guys are right there in the mix. But top to bottom, it's really been Vlad Jr. who's been the best hitter in baseball, and so that goes a long way. Uh, and he's got a, done a decent job with the glove. Um, his teammate Semyon won uh, Player of the Year. I mean, a big surprise yeah. for me, uh, Player of the Month. Sorry, a great surprise for me. There's been a lot of guys that have come up and you know shown out. I mean, a lot of first of all, a lot of the better players have been playing well. Chris Bryant. Uh, has been a pleasant surprise um, as he's returned to full form. But you have guys like Castellanos and Winker. They're not trading him anymore. No, Bryant, they're going to pay him. They have to. He's the guy. He's yeah. been the best well, player I mean, on that before team. The started, before the season started, there was rumors that you know they were going to trade him, but they're in first place now, and they just swept the Padres. So um, they're looking good. Yeah. Bryant's great. Yeah, and I love Winker, too. I mean, he's another guy who's up there for an MVP candidate. Yeah, him, Castellanos, who's been great. A lot of guys who, like, you know, a lot of, like, unsung heroes like Trey Turner, Bogarts, like, obviously, there's some, like, a bunch of guys in the Red Sox, but, like, Gurriel and Brantley and Altuve, Altuve's back. So, for me, a lot of the guys who should be good are being are playing well, and plus, you get a nice mix of those guys who, you know, are kind of coming out of nowhere, and, like, you know, both the Milwaukee Brewers pitchers, like Woodruff and Burns, have been one of the best, if not the best, one-two combo punch. Tywin Walker, who was supposed to be the next big thing uh, and fell flat in Arizona, was not good in Seattle. Uh, he's kind of he's come to the Mets and he's pitched excellent. Uh, and then he, on top of those guys who are like the nice, surpri- pleasant surprises, you know, the Trevor Rogers of the world. You have your Garrett Coles. You have your freaking Degroms, who's honestly unlike anything I've ever seen. You have your Darvish. You have your Bauer. You have your Scherzer. You know, 
And I think someone like Scherzer is another guy that could be moved. Uh, so that's been great. The only downer for baseball for me really is every time someone not, I mean, I used to be a huge knocker. I try to step, step away from that because the only people knocking baseball are the baseball lovers. And if you're trying to get people to come and love the sport, the baseball lovers not loving it themselves, you're not going to want to join the mix. Uh, so for me, it's it's pretty important yeah. that the baseball lovers no longer uh, knock baseball and just let it live. Um, also, guys like shout out Glass now and and Bieber, who's got the, some of the most electric strikeout stuff I've ever seen in my life. It's pretty remarkable what those guys are doing. And Gosman on the Giants, who's just been incredible. He might he might be the Cy Young favorite in the NL, which is kind of crazy to say considering Degrom pitched 51 innings and given up four earned runs. He's, he's given up less runs than walks. Ridiculous. He might be the greatest pitcher we've ever seen. Yeah, I think he honestly has more. I, I'm going to check right now. I think he has more RBIs than earned runs given up, which is pretty that's like crazy. That's that's he, so crazy. He definitely has more. You're hits. saying like. Wait, are RBIs given up? No, like apparently like, Barstool has RBIs that he these has. bets that you can make on their sports book that is like they're like stupid bets where it's like the like Degrom lets up less than two earned runs or something, mm-hmm. and the Mets still lose. Like that's a prop bet that you can make. That's awesome. I love that Degrom. Degrom, first yeah, of all, I, I think you can actually you can't bet on that particular bet. Um, at betonline.ag, but you definitely can bet on DeGrom to be the NL uh, Cy Young. Cy Young. So you, you should. Yeah. You should Cy Young or MVP. Um, Is there... So you definitely should. You should go to betonline.ag to do so. Uh, sign up today and you'll get 50% off on your uh, Is your there a chance? Deposits. I mean, obviously, with all these hitters showing out, you know, Tatis, Castellanos, yes. Winker, um, you know, all the Acuna. Is there, I mean, what does DeGrom have to do to make himself the MVP? Uh, this. This. Here's the deal. What Acuna and Fernando Tatis are doing are inc- is incredible. Both guys are good fielders. I mean, Fernando Tatis not as much. He's, he's been struggling. But in the, with the that's, glove. I would say that's the knock on that's Tatis. That's the knock on Tatis. He's got 14 here. Yeah, his glove has not been up to snuff, unfortunately. But he's stealing bases. He's an incredible hitter, arguably a top five hitter in baseball. Great base stealer again. Acuna, the same. Um, the issue is there's kind of other guys that do what they do. It, the thing with pitching, like, and why I say that you have to kind of trade John Means ASAP Ferg is because he's not going to – this is not sub- sustainable. It could be for maybe a year, but this is not him. Like, this, the fact that this could be really DeGrom is, like, each year he gets better and better and he does the same thing year in and year out. Like, guys are going to fade away from him. Not tomorrow, but eventually. Like, look, you're sitting there and you got Brandon Woodruff. Is Brandon Woodruff going to have a one two seven come August? Probably not. Did it with Gosman. Garrett Cole could have a sub two, but that even that is kind of unlikely. Taiwan Walker for sure will not have a sub two ERA. Right now, DeGrom is sitting at a .71 ERA. That also is very unlikely, but it's not out of the question that he kind of maybe inflates it, quote-unquote, to a 1-3, a 1-4. And if he's at a 1-4, I mean, the lowest ERA I, I can remember seeing out of a pitcher, call me crazy, is maybe like a 1-6-6 with Granky or did Kershaw have like a 1-6-3? I don't know. I'm going off the dome here. Something along those lines is pretty – you guys can fact check me. But if DeGrom is like a sub-1-5. I mean, if, if, we're, if we're looking at all time. No, no. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at like – Tim like, Keefe 
in uh, <laughs> the point point eight five. Nice. I'm looking at like I'm in the saying- modern era. I mean, like I'm looking at all the top guys, and I'm and they're all black and white pictures. The only one that is in color is Bob Gibson, and that was still in the 1970s, I think. One two seven. What was it? Not even the 19, 1960s. Yeah. Well, uh, one 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 two. Ah. Uh, Nineteen sixty-eight. Dang it! Damn. Yeah. So everybody else is black and white. So he's got a 14.5 Ks per nine innings. The guy is just like he's like unhittable. He's like in it's like every he doesn't even look like he's throwing that fast. I was watching the other night. It's bonkers. Yeah. Um, in the modern era, uh, Greg Maddox is is the guy. Uh, One point five five. And we're sitting one point five five nine. And we're sitting here with eight games, and he's got a .71. If he goes less than a 1.5 in an hour, look, you could give up two runs in a game but only two hits. It's kind of like a homer bust error. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of guys are just hitting bomb fly balls and hoping to get out of the park. A lot of strikeouts. If you kind of get in and out of games and you're putting guys away and you're not and you're in a situation where you're not giving up the long ball a lot, I mean, DeGrom's not walking guys, clearly. He's not giving up many hits outside of Bond. He's giving up he's giving up three home runs out of his twenty two hits. It's almost you know, it's almost like a twenty five twenty yeah. percent of his hits are home runs. Um yeah, so but in long, it's very plausible he wins the Cy Young. I mean wins the MVP, let alone the Cy Young. Um but yeah, baseball man. Giants, pleasant surprise, the Rays. The Rays are beyond impressive. As an organization, I don't get it. I just, I'll never get it, honestly. Every year. Every year. Um, all right, guys. Well, is there anything in the NFL you wanted to touch upon? Did I miss anything? Um, I actually want to say something. Nick, tell us. Non-sports related. I just saw this on Twitter, and I just wanted to share with people. Yeah. Woody Harrelson's dad, 42 years ago, was hired by a crime boss, I guess, for $250,000 to assassinate Judge John Wood Jr. outside of his home in San Antonio. And he did it. Pretty wild, wow. right? <laughs> how, yeah. how do we... Did Woody Harrelson tell that story or something? It's just like a, a an article on my San Antonio. <laughs> it was on Twitter, but... Um, wouldn't it be pretty awesome for Woody Harrelson to play his estranged father in a biopic? Or That's fire. That's a great idea. Did he get caught? That would, that would be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, he he was arrested. No. I don't really know what happened. Let's see. It would have been lit as fuck if he didn't get caught. He I mean, was, 250 uh, k $250,000, yeah. Which back then I'm sure was a lot more than uh, $250,000 is worth now. But, uh it said the Not FBI that I'd say spent, no to that. I would say yes to it very quickly. It said the FBI spent thousands of man hours and more than $11 million searching for Charles Harrelson, wow. eventually convicted in 1982 and sentenced to two consecutive life counts plus five years for the slang. For the slang. Wow. <laughs> for the, uh, how yeah. long ago was it? That were, I, I want to be able to make sure. I guess, uh, I guess you could say his dad was a uh... – Oh, God. Was a natural born killer. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I, <guess so. laughs> I, I, I saw that coming a mile away when you started going into that. Um, oh, quick question. His dad died in prison in 2007 at the age of 67. Damn. 68, sorry. Shout out to his family. Um, 
quick question for you now that you bring this up, Nick. Of our friends, of our mutuals, we'll start with you, Nick. Two hundred fifty. You're paying someone two hundred fifty k to take somebody out. I don't care who. Who are you going to give the two fifty k to? That you think is most likely to get away with it. Um. Hmm. Do you have someone in mind? Is that what you're asking no, me? No, not really. I was just curious if there was someone you thought that can do it. Just real quick. We'll I mean. If I'm being honest, I wouldn't waste my money because I think I could do it myself. Okay, there you go. That's a that's a Nikki Kreider answer if I ever saw one in my life. Toss. How about you? Anybody? And I think I think you'd probably put your money on me too. Um, I, I would. would put- uh, I I would go with our boy Big Sneaky. We call him Big Sneaky because he's sneaky. Our buddy George. <laughs> the only reason why I'm picking him is because of his no nickname. Chance, and, I, dude. and I feel like he could blend into any. I don't know. Nick, pretty well. I, he's, noticing. he's my pick too, to be honest. No chance. He's very unassuming. He's he's a little, he's very. There's assuming. no way he has a good poker face. I don't think he, I think people would like, I think he doesn't, I think he's pretty fearless. Like I've seen him like get a few drinks in this guy and he's pretty fearless. Oh, when you get drinks in George, he's a different person. So, so maybe, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing George, sober George. I'm five doing, drinks deep. I'm doing five drinks deep. Um, yeah, it's a great little tip. But I'm not paying him two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm paying him like the SAG scale. Oh yeah, he you could you could cheat. He also good point. He's a guy who could also cheap out, uh, and you could put the money elsewhere. Um, cool guys. Uh, any anything else? What about else? Uh, this this weekend? Yeah, two more days from now, we've got a. Uh, Loki Paul fighting Floyd. Oh Freeman. yeah, that's gonna be a smacking. Hopefully we get Tyron. Three, day, three days from now. Yeah, I think so. Hopefully we get Tyron Woodley on the show. We're supposed. Is that fight on a Sunday? No, it's on a Saturday. It's on June sixth. Oh, is it on Sunday? It might be. Actually, it's on the sixth. Wait, Sunday night fight. What? That's bizarre. That's kind of weird. That's super yeah. bizarre. Wow, that is so weird. Uh, we we were honestly shit to those so people know we were supposed to have Tyron Woodley on to yesterday or today, but that news broke. So hopefully that shit happens soon. Um, and we and we get him talking. Uh, I think Floyd's gonna smack him. I, 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 if Floyd loses this fight, I honestly may never watch another boxing match again. And I I know that's a bit extreme, but I'm serious. He's not gonna lose. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If he if he loses. That's how I feel about it. Um, cool. Anybody want to add anything else, or should we let the people ride free? So three thirty-seven, which is this one, is the uh, southwestern Louisiana episode. Nice, Nick. Atta boy. Way to go, southwestern yeah, Louisiana. Louisiana. Yep, I was. Fans out there, drag both feet about and swing on a full counter up that puck. Hit that putt. Hit your PKs because they free and hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because they are free. Because they're free. Out you. We love ya. We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player. And we in here talking about practice. Clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound box. Back out 
floated. Two out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.